Amen. You know, I was thinking when we were singing that song, I was thinking, what is faith really and what is hope? And we sing about the Lord as being our hope and the powerful name of Jesus, but there are times when we aren't experiencing it or we are not seeing Him, we are not seeing His action or His involvement, His providence directly in what we're praying about or what we're living through. And yet we sing that, and therein is what faith is about, is believing and having that hope that the Lord is in our circumstance, that He is involved in our lives, and that we will continue to place our hope there, even in circumstances and situations where we don't see something immediately happening. What time is it? Well, if you're checking your watch or your phone... Uh, you, you get an immediate time, yeah, it's 10.36 or thereabouts. But in the larger context of, of history, what time, what era, what chapter are we in? Well, people will sure to say, uh, end times. We're in the end times. Yeah, actually, I've been hearing that uh, by multiple generations for many generations, uh, ironically. Uh, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 70s, I mean, people were putting out movies about the end times. It seems we have a fascination with um, what theologians call eschatology, end times, what the rest of the world calls the apocalypse. And if you think I'm just talking funny, all you need to do is Google the word apocalypse movies. And you will get up on your Google search engine right away. They'll say, oh, do you want to know the, the apocalypse movies this year? Or in the last two years, or in the last five years, or the top ten? What do you want to know? Because boy, oh boy, there are a lot of movies about the apocalypse and about the end times. We have this fascination. Is it, is it because we, we feel that it's, this something is looming over us? Uh, is it that we feel that it's close at hand? Although I can imagine people sitting together in 1915 or 1919 or 1920 or 1939 or 1940. And, you know... What difference does it make anyway how to answer that question? What time are we in? And, and if people are saying, well, we're, we're in the end times, and they're predicting it, well, what, what difference does it make if you have that information? Like, what would you do if you knew? What would you do? Why are people so fascinated by this? Well, uh, for, for one, it, it could be, I mean, it, it kind of generates a certain amount of anxiety Worrying about the future can generate and create some fear. Uh, it's also a way to advance a cause that you have uh, or raise money. I actually know a mega church that talked about the end times um, in proximity to their building project, and they were encouraging their congregation to you know, get their money in because it's close to the end. As, and I'm thinking, I'm not getting punked because they're doing a building project. <laughs> It's a real true story. 
It's also like, you know, being able to predict it and maybe being right because uh, knowledge is power. It kind of feeds your ego if you could say, well, see, uh, uh, you know, and... Or maybe, you know, there was a phrase back many decades ago about fire and brimstone. It was a way of coercing people to, you know, straighten up and fly right and get your act together. But in reality, we are in a certain point in history. We are. We're in a certain point in God, our Creator's history. And there's certainly plenty of malady, sickness, and all of that to go around, and madness, or violence, and mayhem, and chaos. I mean, uh, it, it's at least as prevalent now as it has been in any time in history. And so what, where are we on God's timeline of history. And what's interesting, friends, is that we are all, everyone in the world is, shares one history. It's one timeline. So what time is it? A little later on, we're going to have an opportunity for question and response. And you can stand where you are and ask your question. We'll get a mic to you, or you can text or email to ask at Westview Church. So to dig into this a little bit, I'd like to take us a, a little earlier in the timeline, could move to some of the prophets. These were pe people that uh, were inspired by God, that were given a word and a message by God to speak. And uh, we're going to hear from the prophet Joel. Now, there's some discrepancy as to the precise date. Was it the 9th century uh, B.C. or was it the 7th century B.C.? So even if we put it at seven or 800 B.C. at the time of Joel, when the Lord has given Joel a message to share with the people of God at that time. We don't know exactly how he came about uh, receiving this message. Up until God gave this message to him, we don't know that much about Joel. But we do know that it was in a time when God's will and His plan and His direction was discernible, comprehensible, and communicatable through, in this case, Joel. And so he was sharing this with the people. And in that era, they lived in what I would call they had an open world view. That is, that they believed in the immediacy, the reality, the materiality, or the imminence of life and God. And also they believed in this otherness, this transcendence, this spiritual reality as well. And friends, I believe that we still have this kind of open world view. There is just something about both the imminence of life and creator, the material world, and also the spiritual world, although there's a lot of confusion about what that spiritual world is about, but that worldview is shared today, and you just need to look into the arts to see how that is unfolding. But this is what they had. At the time the Lord had given this message to Joel, the people of God were experiencing tremendous difficulty. 
Locusts or grasshoppers were swarming where they lived, devastating the fields. I mean, it was absolutely ruinous. And historians believe there's every reason to accept that that was literal in its occurrence. But the language is also symbolic. It sounds like warring and battling because there's also this other dimension where the spiritual sense that they were being... Uh, uh, victimized and that there was this battle going on as well, that they were facing this difficulty. And incidentally, if you think that this is some extraordinary, fantastic, not possible scenario, again, get out your Google search engine and search locust swarms and you'll see that it's happening even today in the era that we're in. And so at this time, God gives a message to Joel and what God and invites, in fact, the Lord pleads with his people to respond to him. In the midst of all of this, he speaks to Joel, gives a message to, through Joel to the people to respond to him. And I'm thinking, well, what were the people doing? These are the people of God that had been in this back and forth relationship with God. And they see this devastation and all this difficulty around them. And so what were they up to? Uh, they were stupefied. Uh, some of the language in the book of Joel is they, they were drunkards, but not just alcoholic. It seemed like they were oblivious to what was actually going on. Was it that they didn't care? Were they distracted? What was going on? God, our Creator, has a deep concern for all of the earth, all of creation, and human beings. He loves all of it. And so he gives this message uh, to Joel to give to the people. And again, we ask this question, well, what time were they in? What time are we in? And we're hearing from this prophet who is speaking about the timing of things. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Joel chapter 2. Joel has explained a lot has transpired up to this point in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, when he describes the difficulty and, and, and all of these matters. But then he says these words finally. He says, then afterward, all of that, then after the difficulty and the, and the uh, swarming and the hardship, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He's speaking for the Lord. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And the Holy Spirit is associated with revelation, with an understanding through dreams and visions. In my translation in the NRSV, it uses the word portents. It means uh, marvelous, magnificent Marvelous signs. 
And then the word terrible, day of the Lord's coming, that word terrible means like ominous, profound, but it includes in there this, it borders on nerve-wracking or it borders on fear because it is so profound and so awesome. This day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. It is understood when, when we read this and when people heard this, they understood that that was a divine visitation within human history. A divine visitation within human history. And the prophet here, the words that he is speaking from the Lord are that the sign will be that the presence and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit will be a sign and an indication of the day of the Lord. It will be an indication and a sign of a divine visit within human history. And if we read throughout Scripture, we also read that the day of the Lord also meant, ultimately, Jesus' return, finally. But there were these other markings. And then we read verse 32. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said, and among the survival shall be those whom the Lord calls. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued, will be delivered. What he was telling the people of Israel then, the people of God, is that as difficult and complicated as the circumstance is, you're going to make it through. You're going to get through this. You're going to make it through this. But even more what he is saying, what we realize and we recognize here is that God, our creator, communicates. Even when things are really difficult, he is communicating. And he is revealing. He is making things known. And the other thing we understand about his character is that he comes close. When there is difficulty, especially when there is difficulty, he is not absent or removing himself. When things are really difficult, our Lord comes close and he gives. He is a giver. And what he gives is himself. He gives his presence. He places himself in the circumstance with you. And so in one sense, what we hear from Joel and what we hear the Lord pleading through Joel is, what time is it? What time is it then? What time is it now? It is a time to call on the name of the Lord. That's what God wants. To invite him, to say Lord and invite him into the circumstance, but to acknowledge the Lord is pleading, call on me. Not that he is absent, but that we are distracted. That we are calling on other things and on other people when he's saying, call on me. I'm, like, I'm actually right here with you. 
But what time are we in in 2022? If that's 700 A.D., this pouring of the Spirit is an indicator and a symbol of the day of the Lord, the divine coming, what day are we in? Acts, if you turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, just going to read a few verses here. When the day of Pentecost had come, that was a festival that Jews celebrated, and that's why there were so many in Jerusalem. The festival of weeks. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, that is, the disciples in this case, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And then the writer Luke goes on to describe what happened after all of that. And then we, we turn to uh, verse uh, 37. And, and Peter, just before we get there, Peter, they, they thought the people, these disciples were what? They thought they were drunk. And Peter said, no, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he actually quotes from Joel. You'll see that in verse uh, 17 and 18 and so on. He quotes from Joel because he is referring to the passage that we just read in Joel. Because he is understanding that what Joel talked about was actually now happening. And then in verse 37, after they heard the explanation... And what they actually heard was all these people from different regions had gathered together in ethnicities and languages, and these 120 disciples were speaking in all these languages. How was that even possible? And then they were reaching over to the passage of Joel, and they were saying what Joel had prophesied about has now taken place. And then we read in verse 37, Now when they, that's the multitude, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that you your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. 120, and then 3,000. And what we understand from reading this is that the Holy Spirit was poured out, and that the era, the day of the Lord, had been inaugurated. The one that uh, Joel had prophesied about had actually now been established in 36 A.D., there were 120 disciples that had gotten together. The Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them. They also knew how to speak multiple different languages. They shared the message. Peter, the fisherman, preached. The people heard. They were convicted. They said, yes, we believe it. 
they were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the 120, and the church of Jesus Christ was born. So what time is it? What's the timeline? Well, we are in Holy Spirit time. The time zone that the church is in, the time zone that we are in, is not just mountain time. It's Holy Spirit time. It's HST, not to be confused, by the way, with uh, (laughs) Harmony sales tax. But if you ask somebody, if we're, we're, we want to know what, where the church is located in God's timeline, it's HSD. It's, it's Holy Spirit time. We're living in this Holy Spirit time. I don't know if we have that, that graphic, that timeline graphic. I'd love to put that back up there. But you can see where we're at. Church has started. The church of Jesus Christ is born. And Jesus said he would build his church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And so along with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, along with the Trinity, the church, who is subordinate to the Trinity, subordinate to, but is also distinct from, is now invited and is empowered and equipped to participate with the Trinity in establishing and advancing the kingdom of God on earth by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. You will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And how he does that is through spiritual gifts. So we are in Holy Spirit time. We are in HST. And how the Lord builds His church is through giving followers of Jesus Christ spiritual gifts in order to build up the body of Christ and establish the kingdom and advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Without the spiritual gifts, without the headship of Jesus Christ and the enablement and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this is just a community center. But with the power of the Holy Spirit gifted by Him, it is His way, His presence on earth. I want to pause for a moment. We're finishing our sermon series on superpowers with this. And before I conclude, I want to just pause for a minute to see if you have some questions that you want to ask. You can stand where you are. You can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca and we'll get a mic to you if you want to stand. This is the great expectation that they had back in Joel's day and now coming to fruition in 36 AD and onward. The great expectation that God the Holy Spirit would come into followers of Jesus and reside in them but also equip and enable a group of people to join the Lord in building His church. That his kingdom would come, that his kingdom would continue to grow and build until the final day of the Lord. Is there a question that you have that you want to ask? We'll just take a minute and then we'll conclude.
Yeah, I don't know. This one got lost in our junk box, so I don't know if you responded to it or not, but I found it, and I want to make sure okay. we address it. So okay. the question is this. Can a non-believer recognize spiritual gifts in us? Can a non-believer, non-believer recognize spiritual gifts in us? Yeah, it's from a couple yeah. of weeks ago, but that's, I want to make sure a, we, uh, well, we get to this. Oh, that's a really good, a good question. question. So, the th- yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm not sure that a, an, uh, someone that's not a follower of Jesus or non-Christian would necessarily use that language. But you know, it has happened to me plenty of times, even when I was in business, that I'm with an executive and they would say something like, you know, um, you seem to have broken the mold when it comes to business consulting. What is going on? You seem to just, like, you tell the truth. And so I think they will recognize, they may not have the language for it, but they will recognize the spiritual gifts, that this sense of hospitality, this sense of discernment, the exhortation, whatever, but they will recognize it and they may not have the vocabulary, but if we are living it out and we dare, even the word of prophecy to say a word, and they might be undone and they're not quite sure, but they can recognize and they will sense it in something. Yeah, I think that's really good. If you have a question, if not, we will conclude. Technology is failing me, and it's not loading this. uh... Okay. So if you just sent one, I'm sorry. It's not working on the iPad right now. Well, could you get my uh, phone, Kimberly? Because I can (laughs) access it on there. You have better technology than I do. Well, I don't know about that, but... um... All right. Let me jump to this one as we, uh, we figure that out. Did God replace prophets with the Holy Spirit? Or do we still have some modern-day prophets? Okay, so that's good. Um, I, saw, I saw that. Just That's good. Did God replace prophets with the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Or do we still have modern-day prophets today? Correct. Yeah. Right. Really good question. One of the gifts, spiritual gifts, is... Okay, so you sound like you're paying attention. <laughs> that's good. Right, there's a quiz. I should have mentioned... <laughs> So prophecy is an ability to, there's two parts, forth-telling, so speaking forth a message, a gospel message, something about Jesus Christ, and foretelling, telling something about the future. Even in Scripture, most, and, and, and uh, even the, the books that we have uh, are, are primarily forth-telling as opposed to foretelling. But I will say that prophets and the gift of prophecy remains today. All of that is still equipped and enabled by the Holy Spirit. As we read in 1 Peter, that even the writers of Scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit, that it wasn't man-made. And so there's a a good relationship between uh, the Holy Spirit and prophecy. And and, uh, so, yeah, prophecy remains. We'll get back to that other one because it's not working on here. But if you can get it, great. Otherwise, all right. Thank you, Tyler. I'm going to invite the music team to come up. See if I, yeah, I, I think, um,